beautiful. Welcome to Beauty Beyond Betrayal. Have you discovered your husband's been having an affair? Do you just want the pain to stop and be able to take a deep breath again? Do you find yourself up late at night Googling how to save your marriage, heal from an affair? Do you wake up with the hope that this nightmare would end only to feel crushed and humiliated because your husband acts like the affair was really your fault and now you're left obsessing with where he is and if he's seeing her again? Hey, I'm Lisa. I too was devastated when I discovered my husband was having an affair. I too felt the pain would never end and wished he would just stop the affair and we could restore our marriage. I wanted the weight of the trauma to be lifted so I could breathe again and be able to have someone, anyone help me climb out of the dark miry pit of despair so I could begin to heal and be confident in me again. But I kept telling myself, he won't stop seeing her. Must have been my fault. And this pain, it'll never go away. Until I found hope and healing in Christ, along with simple techniques that helped me to learn how to recover from the betrayal. In this podcast, you'll discover what betrayal trauma really is, learn simple techniques to heal and recover, and get biblical guidance to help you make the right choices as you heal from the affair so you can be free from the heartbreak and the pain and rise in confidence once again to be the woman God created you to be. So beautiful, grab your favorite latte or a glass of wine, snuggle up on the couch and focus on yourself for a few minutes. Let's dive into what it really means to rise up from the ashes of betrayal and loss into a life that you really desire. Welcome to the show, beautiful. I have an amazing interview that we are going to do today with a beautiful woman who has uh, been a client of mine. I have seen her just transform in so many ways. God has done an amazing work in her life. And she's going to share her journey with you today. Jennifer is a lawyer concentrating on business disputes and complex personal injury cases. She lives in South Carolina with her three children, all five and under. So she's a busy mama to say the least. (laughs) She met her husband abroad when she was just 23 years old. And they married a couple years into that. And later, after a long-term distant romance, they got married, they were together for a while. And while her marriage was by no means perfect, it was not until almost a decade into that marriage that she learned her husband had been unfaithful. And today, she's going to share what that journey was like with us on Beauty Beyond Betrayal. So welcome to the show, Jennifer. I am just so, so happy you are here. It is just such a blessing. What a journey that we have encountered together. Yes. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. Um, It's an honor to be here. Oh, thank you for being here. So I would love for you to just kind of start us off by just sharing a little bit about who you are at the core and, you know, really also share, you just recently got baptized and, and I really did share like a little bit of who you are, your salvation journey, because that was this year and you just got baptized. Share a little bit. Absolutely. So I'm from South Carolina, um, had a few years in different different states, but um, I'm back in South Carolina now. 
And uh, my faith journey, uh, I guess, in many ways has been a little bit of a prodigal story of my own. Um, I grew up in a small Presbyterian church and you know, attended regularly with my family throughout high school. And then as I think um, happens to many of us, once I hit college, that was pretty much that. It was you know, church for Easter and Christmas, and that was about all. And um, I say it's a prodigal story because I think I had a, a bit of an older brother complex, uh, if you will, where I had sort of convinced myself that as long as I kind of did what God wanted, that was basically the same thing. And I didn't really need anybody else to help me. And um, it was not until this journey of healing from betrayal that uh, I think God really used me to bring me back to him. And um, that was probably the start of my real healing is when I uh, first walked back into church on a random January Sunday morning and felt what I now think was the Holy Spirit stirring within me. And um, my faith has grown in tandem with my healing journey. And so, yes, uh, just last week, a little week and a half ago, two days before my birthday, I was baptized and it was pretty awesome. My kids got to be there. It was a, it was a great moment. I know. And the pictures were just filled <laughs> with so much happiness, so much joy and celebration. And we, all of your sisters at church celebrated with you. And it's just such a great moment for us as well to see what God has done in your life. So tell us a little bit you know, how and when did you find out about your husband's betrayal? So I found out about my husband's first betrayal um, seven and a half, eight years after the fact. Um, we had been living in New York. I was working in a large firm, very stressful job. He was managing a restaurant, also a very stressful job, and knew that there were some things off in our dynamic, but didn't really understand at the time what that was. Um, and it was not until about eight years later, in the middle of a, a, of a disagreement and argument, um, that he said something that made a light bulb go off in my head. And I said, did you sleep with someone else? And he said, yes. Um, eight years ago. Um, but that was an odd discovery, if you will, because he and those intervening eight years or so had kind of convinced himself that somehow it was okay and he'd had permission. And all of which is to say, I, I'd never got a chance to address it, to discuss it, to heal from it. It was just sort of shoved down and that was that. And then um, fast forward about a year and a half later, and I discovered him having another affair with uh, an employee. And that's what really um, sort of threw me into this journey of healing from betrayal. Yeah. When you first discovered um, the first betrayal and, and he told you that, what was that like for you? It was devastating. Um, you know, I remember in moments where I was unhappy with our relationship or knew that we needed to work on things. I, I remember thinking to myself, but at least at least we're both faithful. At least we don't have to deal with that. And then that was sort of you know, the rug coming out from underneath me. Um, and I again, it was it was an odd disclosure because I didn't really get to address it because of the way he was in denial and what I now know is a gaslighting I guess both himself and me um, at the time 
Um, but it, we, again, I, I sort of shoved it aside, didn't tell, I told my best friend and that was it. And then just tried to carry on. Um, but I think that was the start of me feeling like I was going crazy as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that is indicative of gaslighting. It can make you feel like you are losing your mind, especially if you're not able to even enter into a healing journey from betrayal. And so you talked about a second betrayal that just happened basically within the last year and a half recently. Right. Um, And it was, it was an employee of his. So, you know, one of the things that um, we do here on beauty beyond betrayal is we're, we're raw and real because we want women to hear real life stories and what it's like, right? Because we don't want to sugarcoat anything. It's not easy what we find out. So how did you discover that second betrayal? So that particular day was a, it was a Sunday afternoon and it was a doozy of a Sunday. We had just had um, a hurricane roll through where we live um, in, in South Carolina, mild, no damage, but that had been going on and he had still been kind of absent as he'd been increasingly over the last six, nine, 12 months. Um, my, I think at least two of my children had come down with a wretched stomach bug. And then I started to feel it um, uh, being my turn, so to yeah. speak. And remember being upset that he wasn't there and didn't seem um, concerned about, you know, the state of things at home. And for the first time, literally the first time ever, I happened to log on to the um, blink camera system that was connected to both the ones at our house, as well as the ones um uh, at his business and it was like there was just something some gut instinct I couldn't have articulated if I tried in the moment but some gut instinct um told me to do that and I I sort of thought it was because I wanted to see what was so much more important than being at home and helping take care of the kids especially since I was starting to feel sick and again that same gut instinct says no keep watching keep watching and then saw him kiss this particular employee and then um spent the next 12 hours being sick to my stomach for many, many reasons. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual response when we discover that we've been betrayed, when the hardcore evidence actually hits us, right? It's, it's kind of like that face-to-face moment with reality. So when, when that transpired in the first, I know you were dealing with a stomach virus, bless your heart, having to deal with sick children, you yourself are sick. And now you're discovering that your husband's betrayed you for a second time. And this time it wasn't, you're just hearing about it. You're actually seeing this over the course of a few weeks. What were some of the emotional upheavals that you experienced? I felt, looking back, it was almost like feeling outside of my body. Things were so surreal. Um, that's what I typically describe it as, just feeling surreal. Like this is, this can't be happening. This can't be what's going on. Um, and I remember for me, there was a brief sort of flash of anger when I first, you know, called him, told him to come home and confronted him about it. Um, and then it was just grief. It was just overwhelming sadness um, and uh, sadness that I felt like I wasn't going to be able to claw my way out of. 
And I also remember sort of alongside that sadness, I would say that the next strongest emotion was desperation. You know, I had spent the last, you know, I guess in hindsight, a long, a large part of our relationship, feeling responsible for the relationship, feeling responsible for his happiness, his feelings, um, and all of that combined with this discovery of the second affair. You know, I was, I was convinced that this was broken and I had to be the one to fix it. And it was all my fault. And that desperation in terms of fear of losing that relationship that was so important to me that, that meant everything. You know, you hit on a a number of things in, in what you felt. And when we come into the reality, when we're faced with that discovery, one of the very first things that is hard is to acknowledge what has truly transpired. You know, betrayal trauma in and of itself is very different than any other kind of trauma in the fact that it causes you to, it impacts your entire history. It causes you to look back and question the entire history you had with your husband. So now you look back and go, was any of it real? Was any of it truthful? Was he really um, in love with me? Right. So that's some of the first things that you are probably thinking during that time. And then you also spoke about denial that can this really be happening? Is this really real? That out of the body surreal experience that you're talking about, which is one of the very first parts, shock and denial go hand in hand with one another in that first what I call that first stage of shattering that we experience in betrayal trauma. And then you talk about grief kind of really kicked into gear. And that's where the acknowledgement and the acceptance of I really am faced with this kicks in. And now you're recognizing the death of a marriage that you thought was, right? So what did you do when when you got to that point? What did you feel like you needed to do for yourself? So it's interesting that you talk about grief in connection with denial and acceptance because I was sad um, for the first several months after that. I was I was grieving, but I was still in so much denial. It wasn't it wasn't a clear grief or a clean grief, and it was as much a grief of I I am not enough. I have failed. I am responsible more so than it was a grief over his conduct or how it was going to impact our marriage, the the death of that vision. And so it took me a long time to get to the point of seeing reality and accepting reality. And it, and it was um, in stages, it wasn't like I just woke up one day and, and completely accepted where I was and what was happening to me. It was sort of like little bits I could begin to stomach and then would grieve that. Um, and so I don't know if that answers your question that it was really just yeah, absolutely. Um, sort of like a, a, an onion of, of different layers of, of, of reality that I had to, to face and then grieve that and then I could get to the next one. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I know there were quite a few times in session together, we would actually refer to it as an onion that we would kind of yes, yeah. and do the deep layer work, right? And you hit upon something of identity. I just really want to kind of hone in on really quick. When we've been betrayed, it does attack our identity at the core. It causes us to begin to wonder, what did I do wrong? 
Why was I not enough? What is wrong with me? And the enemy is very strong in that tactic because if he can attack us at the core of our identity, he causes us to be ineffective in who we are in Christ, right? So here you are in this early journey with the Lord and, and here you are battling one of the very things that the enemy seeks to cause every person to battle and that's their identity. Talk to us about what was it like to journey through and to regain your identity? I know it came in layers, but what were some of the things that helped you to recognize that the affair was not your fault? It wasn't anything to do with you. It was not your identity. How did you start to climb out of that? I think what come to mind are a couple of things that were crucial both in, in me rediscovering who I am, who I am in Christ and, and my identity. Um, and, and the first is community. I was fortunate enough within just a few weeks of setting foot in that church to um, I receive information about a, a small group that was being set up specifically for women of faith who had been betrayed. And out of that group has come not only, you know, lasting friendships with these beautiful, amazing women, but also the sort of eye-opening experience of having other women say, me too, that's that's what I've gone through, that's what I've felt, that's what I've experienced. And somehow we are willing to give grace to others so much more easily than ourselves. And so that was one of the first steps for me was seeing these amazing women who have gone through the ringer through no fault of their own and being able to say, oh my gosh, this was not your fault. You had nothing to do with this. These were not your choices. And then having them speak that back to me, that was that was one of the, the key early steps for me. And the other thing that was very helpful um, uh, early on, and this also came about in some of the discussions in that small group was realizing um, and I can't remember if I heard this at church or, or what resource I first heard this in, but um, the description of the evil one as not being a creator the way God is, meaning he's not creative, meaning that all of his attacks on marriages, on our relationships, they almost follow a pattern or a script. And being able to recognize my husband and his conduct and his choices and his words in these patterns patterns of behavior in other books and other podcasts and other stories and testimonies was also very eye-opening to say, oh, it really wasn't me. This is just, this is just the story that gets played out. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the things that um, you just described, you, you were able to find podcasts huge when you were able to find community. That is one of the key components to healing, right? There's healing in community where we can collectively share our stories with one another and then we can actually move through together speak life and encouragement over one another and like you said to have those moments of me too me too right and so that was crucial for you and I remember you sharing so many stories about your community and how it was life-giving to you right 
Well, what were it still is. <laughs> it still is, exactly. And I'm so is. glad that you have that because that is so vitally important, right? Because healing is a journey. It is a journey. So what were some of the other things that helped you in your journey of healing? Um, continuing to, to grow my faith was helpful. Um, you know, committing to reading God's word, to consistently going to church, to asking questions, to reading books, um, that helped a lot. Similarly, um, I had always been a diehard. I dislike nonfiction books and that has changed dramatically over the last <laughs> year. And I will gobble up books on topics that really resonate with where I am in my journey or questions that I have. Um, that's been eye opening too. And then of course, I think, um, one of the key things for me was when I started doing coaching with you and um, you know, I, I I had no idea there was even such a thing as a betrayal trauma coach until I came across you in connection with the small groups and, and that community at church and, and having that one-on-one guidance and the sounding board that you provided was also extremely helpful um, in, in tying sort of all of these pieces together that I was gleaning from what I was reading, the podcast I was listening to from the stories I was hearing um, from the, the women in my community. That was, that was crucial. Beautiful. So in the beginning, I want to ask you a question in the beginning, was your focus to save the marriage? 100%. Okay. And that is generally um, the consensus for all women, right? We, we automatically go, what can I do to save my marriage? What do I need to change about me? How can I fix this, right? When you recognized that you can't focus on saving the marriage, that really the one you need to focus in on is yourself to heal, how did that help you move forward and to receive healing when you stopped focusing in on trying to save the marriage first? I mean, I think first and foremost, it, it, it helped me to focus on the small sphere that I have some control over mm-hmm. and to, to wake up to the fact that I have never had control, nor can I ever have control over someone else, especially not um, my husband, that I've never been solely responsible for a marriage or a relationship. Um, and, and ultimately that was freeing to, to live from that place of, not being responsible for things that I couldn't control anyways. Oh, I love the fact that you said it was freeing. That's beautifully said. Because at that point, it freed you up to really focus in on yourself and your own healing. At first, did it feel a little selfish? I know some women say that it does. It did. It felt a little selfish. It felt a little like, being the equivalent of giving up on the marriage, but, um, you know, through your encouragement and others, you know, just having that reminder that there couldn't ever be a a healthy marriage until I was healed and healthy too. Um, and that no matter what happened, whether my marriage survived or did not, I still had to heal or I would take whatever, whatever shattered pieces of me would continue to remain simply that pieces, I would never have that whole identity if I didn't take the time and focus on my own healing. 
Absolutely. When you when you started your healing journey, what did you notice was your biggest struggle? Um, towards the beginning, um, <clears throat> it, it was probably even more, even into the middle, I shall say. Um, <laughs> it was really accepting the reality, the whole reality of what my relationship was and, and had been, not just in terms of betrayal, but some of the... Um, dynamics uh between myself and my husband the way that we interacted the way that we communicated and, and sort of these unhealthy um destructive patterns that that were there and, and would continue to be there and had always been there apart and separate from any betrayal yeah one of the hardest things for us to come face to face with is what we call emotional abuse and I remember we talked about that and that was very, very difficult for you. You were struggling so hard because a lot of times we think of abuse in society as something that's physical, right? Well, he's not beating me, so I'm not abused. But at the same time, we're not stepping back and recognizing that the manipulation, the gaslighting, the blame shifting, the love bombing, love crumbing, all of these things that you're enduring that make you feel crazy, that cause you to um, lose your identity, to not be able to look at reality for what it really is, it is an emotional and mental abuse. And that can be one of the hardest things to heal from. So when you started facing that, what was it like for you? It was, that was probably honestly the hardest part of this entire journey because to some extent and again this is sort of replaying old patterns of my own thinking um the affairs you know if I took some ownership for them that meant I could do something about it this was more of a facing the reality that there were patterns of behavior and ways of thinking that he had brought into the marriage um, and I, I believe a lot of those probably stem from childhood trauma, but regardless, they were brought into the marriage through nothing that I did and no fault of my own. And that, that was hard to deal with. It was, you know, there were questions that I wrestled with about, you know, what does that say about me that I entered into a relationship and that had these unhealthy patterns and, you know, was so desperate that I was sort of willfully blind to them for so many years um, but then through, especially through some resources that you had recommended and some others that I came across, um, I was able to, to sort of get to a place where I really accepted that, no, these are his patterns of behavior, his emotional abuse, the gaslighting, the blame shifting, the, the sort of victim reversal, all of that stuff didn't actually have any, it, what didn't reflect me. It was not a reflection of, of anything that I had done or failed to do. Um, and that I think was sort of the last, the last step for me to really feel free and to really let go of my efforts to fix things and, and my striving to, to control it and to manage things. That was, that was the last hardest reality for me to accept. But once I did, um, it was life-changing. Yeah. And, and it really is life changing. And I know there's at least one woman right now who heard exactly what you said, and it really touched her heart because she's been struggling. And I know you have beautiful, you've been struggling so hard with the fact that you've been emotionally abused 
and it's hard for you to accept. It's hard for you to uh, face. But once you do, there is a freedom that comes and it enables you to move ahead. So let me ask you, what was one tool or a couple of tools that you can recall that were extremely helpful for you when you were really diving deep into your coaching and and you were, you know, moving in through recovery. I know you were put on a recovery schedule. Like we have all kinds of things that we do, but what <laughs> what did you find were some of the tools that were extremely helpful for you? So I don't know that there's one specific or even a couple of specific tools that were um, sort of the ones that got me through or the ones that were most meaningful. I really feel like my journey in many ways has felt and still feels like me picking up puzzle pieces from all these different places and slowly figuring out how to put them back together into the image of what, you know, a whole and healthy me looks like. And so there have been, you know, somatic techniques that you have taught me that were very helpful to sort of regulate my emotions and my, um, my nerves, basically, when I was triggered, or, or especially towards the beginning, um, there were specific resources I found that were helpful in sort of analyzing and, and facing the reality of, of what the emotional abuse looked like. Um, there was a, a specific book that you had recommended to me that was really the one that opened my eyes to the reality of the emotional abuse that I had been facing. Uh, Emotionally Destructive Marriage by Yes, Leslie by Leslie yes. Vernick. Yes. And, and I'm a lawyer, so I'm very, you know, lists and, and evidence-based. <laughs> and she has checklists in there yes. that sort of force you to go through, is this a behavior you experience? Is this a feeling that you experience? Is this a thought that you have? And at the end, it's, all uh, right, if you have, you know, this number or more, then you're most likely in a destructive marriage. And that was like, irrefutable for me, right? I couldn't argue with the fact that I had many, many more than her minimum threshold for that. So that was a very useful eye-opening tool. Um, but really, it's just this combination of, of different different things from multiple resources. Um, and then, and then the thing that I know we've spoken about already, but that I would just have to echo, and I don't know if you'd consider this a tool or not, but I know that I would not be where I am today without it, is I go back to that community, that that group of women oh, yes, that's who, yes, who have walked through this, who understand what I'm feeling. We almost can speak in a shorthand code. I don't have to give background. I don't have to give explanation. That hands down has been the most crucial aspect of my healing. How beautifully said. Absolutely beautifully said. Um, do you have an aha moment that you can think back on that a light bulb went off during your healing journey that was just so bright for you that kind of moved you into that what's called that post-traumatic growth place where we're like, okay, there's the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm desiring a better future. I want to take a hold of my destiny. What what aha moment started that growth for you? Um, I don't know that there was a single moment, 
uh, there were a, there are a few that stand out that kind of built up to um, where I feel I am now, and I you know solidly in this sort of post traumatic growth phase. Um, I don't think we talked about this earlier, but but <laughs> through no desire of my own, at, at one point uh, this past spring, I came home to discover that my husband was having yet another affair. This one in our family home. And um, I, I don't, I, I chalk this up, I, I guess, to the Holy Spirit giving me the strength to do this, but I instituted a separation at that point, um, was still in denial and still desperately hoping to save um, the marriage and the relationship at that point. But that that was the first big moment of I chose me and I chose my kids and I chose my healing and my health over the marriage. That was probably the first definitive, you know, out of desperation and sadness and anger, but that was, that was the first moment. Um, and it was a bit of a, a tumultuous couple of months and still is a little tumultuous um, at this point, but that allowed me to have space. Um, and I'm by no means advocating that everyone just immediately separate in order to get space. But for me, the way it played out was, it gave me space to breathe Mm -hmm. and space to begin to more objectively evaluate where I was and where that relationship was and to objectively analyze my husband's behavior and his choices and where he was. And slowly through that space and through his behaviors after that separation was instituted, um, I began to sort of see with, with open eyes, if you will, Mm And, and finally got to the point of being able to recognize his behavior for what it is and finally began to feel free of those emotional strings that would um, be so easily tugged and played with beforehand, if that makes sense. Um, and I'll tell you that this is not an aha moment of... Um, my healing, but an aha moment in terms of me recognizing how far I have come over the last year. Uh, we had um, a court hearing over temporary custody and, and um, my husband had requested a, a certain schedule and uh, the judge did not give him all that he was asking for. And a few hours later, he had messaged me and basically said um, that uh trying to remember exactly what the words were. It was something to the effect of that we could move past this by him moving back home and living in a separate room and that uh, we would make clear that we were just going to be doing things for the sake of the children and that once I had fixed my issues, then we could talk about us. And my immediate reaction my immediate response was laughter and after the laughter came that aha moment of oh my gosh this would have sent me in an absolute tailspin even six months ago much less a year ago I would have desperately clutched at their straws but now God has given me a a level of truth and an acceptance of reality to be able to recognize that that had that wasn't a promise that wasn't a hope that that was simply him intentionally or otherwise trying some new way to get what he ultimately was was wanting um and and was not at all a true reflection of whether or not he wanted the relationship and and again that 
wasn't an aha moment in terms of <laughs> moving forward on my healing journey, but it was um, a, a very clear moment of recognition for me of the fact that I, I have come pretty far on this healing journey. And you have, and I remember receiving that message from you and I giggled <laughs> along with you <laughs> when you sent that to me because I saw how far you had come because you're right in the early stages when we started working together, it would have thrown you under the bus. It would have crushed you once again, but you, you handled it with just amazing grace and just this great laughter of, wow, I'm, I'm really healing from this. I'm at such a great place now. Right. And I love the fact that you, when you were describing all of this, how you said you chose yourself, you chose your children, you chose your healing. And I believe that's important for all the women who are listening to this podcast right now to hear that choosing yourself, choosing your children, choosing your healing is not selfish. It's necessary because there are times where a, what I have called a therapeutic separation is necessary so that you can move back away from the toxicity that's in the relationship, the gaslighting, the manipulation, the things that pull at your heartstrings, like you said, and to be able to gain a clearer picture of what is really going on. And you can either, you know, at that point, uncover the reality of their heart in the fact that they have not changed and they, they are choosing not to change, or it catapults them into having that infidelity bubble finally burst, and then they seek out healing. One of the two usually happens through a therapeutic um, separation. For you, you gained healing, you gained clarity, you were able to now take control over parts of your life that had been out of control for so many years that had to feel very, very good. It did. It did. Um, you know, in talking to people over the last uh, few weeks, a couple months, um, I, what I have generally been telling everybody is I feel more myself than I have in a long, long time. Yeah, that's awesome. So let me ask you, you, you mentioned quite a few times about, um, the coaching that we had uh, experienced together. What was that like for you to, to have a coach kind of come alongside of you and not just kind of guide you along the way, but to be able to pull the best out in you, right? Because that's what a good coach does is we, we know that there's a destiny for you. We know that there is, you know, this strong, bold woman on the other side. So our job is to come in and pull that out of you very lovingly and tough love at times, right? <laughs> but what was that like for you to have someone to kind of guide and walk with you along the way? Um, it, it was amazing. It was, it was reassuring to know that there was someone um, who had not only experienced this firsthand, but who, you know, through all the, your experience and all the, the training and things that you've done that, you know, you have, you have goals, you, you know, what the journey, at least the, the overarching um, journey will look like, you know, about the pitfalls and you know about the hurdles and having somebody 
with that awareness to coach me through. Um, again, it made it feel made it feel something like something that was doable, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It made yeah. it feel like like any other illness, you know, you have COVID and you get certain medication and you get bed rest and you take certain fluids and, and you ultimately go on this healing journey. And at the end of it, you know that it's coming yeah. um, for most of us. And it felt like that. It felt like just being, um, it felt like having a, a guide. It felt like having someone who knew the way, who was able to say, I mean, you can step there, but maybe you should think about stepping here instead. Yeah. It was such an honor to journey with you and to see how God unfolded your recovery and just the the milestones that you reached along the way and the difference I see today in the woman that's before me compared to the woman that I first met is night and day. And for me, those are the moments that get me choked up because I get to be a part of that. And that's my blessing, right? To know that I was basically the one that God used in your life to help you journey along that way. So I want to thank you for trusting uh, God first to put the right person in your life and then trusting me with that journey. So Tell everyone, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, Like I said, I I feel myself again. I feel rooted and grounded in my identity. I know that there are things that are outside of my control, um, and that's okay. I know that there's a purpose to what I've gone through. I am convicted that there are ways that that God will be able to redeem my experience and and hopefully help, you know, even just one person. Um, And even it's as simple as, you know, I'm going to come over and hold your hand tonight. Um, That's all it takes is someone who's willing to sit there and and look at another's reality and look at another's pain with them and, and not flinch from that and not shy away. So I'm, 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 it sounds odd. I am. I'm not grateful for what happened to me, but I am so incredibly blessed at the way God has used my experience, both to bring me back to Him, but hopefully to help through me um, help other women find healing too. Um, it's 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 been an honor to receive your coaching and, and guidance as well. Um, yeah, it's. I, I wake up every day, and uh, the lists of blessings are just incredible. Yeah. You know, one of the things that um, I'm hoping that you'll share is, you know, you just described the place where um, I just pray all women get to is the place where your pain turns into a purpose, right? Because God never intended the pain that we go through to destroy us, never was meant to devour us. It was meant to refine us. And to take us to a place of purpose far beyond ourselves, because what we go through can actually be a healing for someone else in the future, right? Well, I know that you had shared with me earlier that, you know, you feel like God is going to give you a purpose through this and share what you can or share what you're willing to share. Sure. And and these are in the very, very infant gestational stages, if you will. Um, 
but one of the things that I feel that God is calling me to do um, is, is to write a devotional specifically for women who have been betrayed. Um, you know, I know there's certainly a, a million wonderful, beautiful, inspiring devotionals out there. I um, certainly by no means am a theologian. Um, I'm not a, a clinician. I'm, I'm not trauma trained or anything like that, but I am someone who has gone through this. And I remember in the darkest periods of my journey, feeling desperate for some, some sort of hope, some sort of inspiration. And there were a few devotionals that I came across that were helpful, but they were very generalized. They were you know, sort of intentionally broad so that they could apply to whatever life circumstances the reader might be going through. And I remember finding inspiration in those, but also thinking, but, but what about this? What about what I'm going through? It's different than, than just the average run of the mill, you know, life hardships. And so the thought ruminating in my head is uh, a devotional that may give a little bit more specific, concrete hope um, and, and sort of delve into some of what I think the Bible has to say about a lot of the feelings and emotions and things that we are all wrestling with as uh, betrayed partners. And so my hope is that maybe that will, one, um, inspire someone and, and bring them that word of hope and encouragement and allow them to find some peace and rest in God's word, but also um, to act something as a almost like a, a, a resource catalog, if you will. I don't know the answers on these things, but I have come across books and, and programs and podcasts that I think are helpful and informative. And, and maybe that's the tool that, that someone out there is missing. I think that's absolutely amazing. And I cannot wait to get my own copy. <laughs> <laughs> and we will make sure to update all of the listeners so that they can get their copy as well when you do finally publish this. And I can't wait to, to read it. So if you uh, as we land the plane today, so to speak, uh, <laughs> what is one thing that you can share with the women who are listening, who are, you know, either first finding out they're in the middle of their journey, they are, you know, still in that struggle, so to speak, um, a word of encouragement, hope, what is one thing that you would like to say to the woman that's listening, who has been betrayed and is just feeling worthless and hopeless right now? Um, I think that there, there are actually two things that I would say. One is a piece of advice, and one is hopefully a word of encouragement. First, I would say find a safe person, a friend, a pastor, or sister, someone, and tell them. Tell them what is happening to you. Tell them how you're feeling tell them. And then if you have more than one safe person, you can tell even better. Because part of what I know bogged me down for a long time was the sense of shame and failure. And the only antidote for that is community and, and voicing those feelings to other people. So tell someone. Um, the other thing, what I hope is a word of encouragement is just that from my own experience, I know that it is possible to be in the middle of what is probably the worst season of your life and to feel 
to truly feel in your bones that peace that passes understanding. It does not make a lick of sense and people will look at you like you are nuts, but it is possible if you do the work, if you have the community and you have the support and you lean into God, it is possible to have that. And once you get there, um, it's pretty wonderful. I couldn't have said it better myself. Beautiful words. Honey, thank you so much for being on the broadcast on Beauty Beyond Betrayal. It has been an honor to not only journey with you through your own healing process, but to have you on the show. I know that you have brought a lot of hope, a lot of encouragement. You've spoken life into so many women today. So God is already using your story. He is already impacting women around the globe just by you being here today. So I want to thank you. And thanks for having me, Lisa. I hope that, that this has been inspiring and, and encouraging to someone. Amen. I hope you were blessed by Jennifer's story today. It is such an honor and a privilege when I get to journey with all of the beautiful ladies that become my clients and see their lives go from a place of devastation to a place of determination where they choose themselves, their children, their future, and they choose a healing journey where they know God has a destiny in store for them. They have a bright future and they begin to walk it out on the daily. So Jennifer, thank you once again for the privilege of coaching you through, seeing you just become this amazing woman who has such an amazing testimony. And thank you for speaking hope and healing and encouragement into the lives of many women today. Can't wait to see you next time on Beauty Beyond Betrayal. Thanks for stopping by today and spending a little while with me. I hope you enjoyed today's show and found hope, healing, and encouragement. Please remember to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. You can even screenshot this episode and share it on IG or Facebook stories. This is how we get the message of hope and healing out to all women who are in the midst of betrayal and loss. If you're ready to move out of the devastation of betrayal and take the next step in your healing, make sure to reach out to me and schedule your breakthrough coaching call today. Until next time, love God, live your life passionately, and always choose joy in the midst of any circumstance that you may face. Cheers to you, beautiful.